great great to see you again another great episode in the books with a good friend of ours jorge moreno what did what were your thoughts on on today's episode with jorge absolutely you know he was uh you know it's probably our our biggest interview who was also our biggest critic <laughs> but uh, i think it was all, all in good fun all in good fun the man is nothing if not authentic to himself so he does give us a little bit of shit for the name of this podcast, but Jorge, just so you know, we're, we're not changing the, the name just yet, but appreciate the feedback as always. What did you think of some of the, the themes that, that he brought up as, as a part of, of this discussion? Yeah, so I, I think it would be important, you know, maybe for you to, to, to kind of touch on that for our listeners, but the thing, something he said that stood out that I think encompasses a lot of his story, at least in this, this episode was, he said something like, I found the freedom to make decisions that I didn't even know were mine to make. And he kind of, I got the impression from him that he was living life, how he, you know, thought he was supposed to live it. And then he sort of reached probably multiple points in in life where he realized, Oh, you know, I have probably more freedom uh, to make some of these decisions and and kind of change or affect my life, how I, how I want it, how I want to. So I, I really thought that was, was a powerful piece or quote that he mentioned. Yeah. Jorge is full, full of wisdom and and maybe even to just backtrack a little bit, how we know him is as a friend of ours that we met living in the Bay area, living in San Francisco, he's a, a close friend, but someone who has always been a part of adventures that, that we've participated in largely outdoor adventures. And the outdoors is something that is especially important to him. And I think even the con, the context for sharing the lesson that you were sort of quoting just there is all with the backdrop of his experience in moving to the West Coast and then experiencing the outdoors as a part of of being there. And Jorge describes a bit about his his journey in terms of his professional work, but really I think he talks more about his purpose and discovering how to utilize some of the things that come naturally to him, his gregariousness, his ability to connect with people and put that to work in ways that are thoughtful and not just sort of put on other people. And that was something that I think stood out to me was, you know, Jorge has, has always been someone who I can connect easily with because that's just how he operates. It's very easy to tell jokes with him. It's very easy to rib him a little bit. And he appreciates that. And hearing him describe how he kind of recognizes his own ability to do that and utilize it in the most constructive way possible was something that I think was really was really interesting about this conversation and hopefully our listeners find interesting as well. Absolutely. Well, with that, let's get into our conversation with the one and only Jorge Moreno. Stanley, there could be gold here. We don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Don't ask me to repeat shit. I'm surprised by the name, though. Unzip. I don't know. I'm on the fence. It's All right, family. Are we? Oh, you really want this? Let's oh, do we're it. doing it. We're doing it. <laughs> I think it's kind of. Our, I think it's kind of our thing now. One, two, three. Like to welcome in our guest this week, the one, the only, Mr. Jorge Moreno. Thank you for joining us on the, on the podcast. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me and inviting me to be with y'all. Of course, man. This is this is special. I, I figured that uh, this conversation would 
flow pretty easily. And even before we just started recording it, it already has. So clearly nothing, nothing has changed Jorge. It's really good. Just good to see you. Yes. <laughs> can you tell me where, where you are right now? It's, I know it's dark and it's early, but um, can you just tell me where you are? Yeah. Uh, in um, Lander, Wyoming. Um, I am physically currently in my bedroom and you can't see it, but I'm in my closet. So what you see behind me is the room, but I'm like inside the closet, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Supposedly it gets the best sound. So clearly you're just a podcast professional. Yeah. Well, when someone puts you in the corner, it kind of. I understand. <laughs> Stanley's recording from the basement. I think, I think we all get it. Um, no, this is this is great to to have you on, Jorge. I think you're one of the people that I was most looking forward to interviewing for this. Frankly, from the beginning when this started in the van on on a bike trip, I kind of wished that you had been in the van as a, as a part of that to listen to the conversations, but also so that we could have this type of conversation ourselves. So really glad we're getting a chance to do this. But I wanted to just kind of start with understanding your background a little bit and I know you as an adult and I don't really know young Jorge so I kind of wanted to start with what life was like for young Jorge growing up in Danbury Connecticut and (laughs) what that looked like it was goofy it was (laughs) young Jorge was uh I think if you know me now it's there's a lot of young jorge still in me and as folks see pictures or hear stories from people in my life they kind of find these similarities of like this goofiness and playfulness and emotion that's the the point of this podcast jorge that's the part well yeah i guess that makes sense (laughs) why i'm glad i never changed uh but yeah we I, i i come from a very happy smiling family it is a lot of jokes a lot of uh dancing around a lot of loudness a lot of picking on each other a lot of building each other up uh so young jorge is maybe you know i don't know under 70 pounds i don't even know weight but like just small just small if you saw me in a picture uh, or at least a school photo. It's like this small kid that's on the corner somewhere <laughs> hanging out. When I was younger, and my mom had uh, like weight around like what I was wearing for picture day. Like my pictures were, I was still small, but I was like dressed up and my hair oh, was yeah. done. And then as I got a little older, I was still small, but then like I was showing up with what I wanted to wear. So it was like just all torn apart. And just kind of to the side. You, and, you were still small, but the clothes were three X. What they? Yeah, what yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's young Jorge. Um, also, wasn't uh, you know it, people know me as someone that spent some time outside or kind of running or getting on a bike, and I was a young kid that I, my coordination was off, man, really off. I had no <laughs> when my cousins were playing something, I was like small, uncoordinated. Uh, if we need you, we'll pick you. Same thing on the playground. Um, 
really a young guy trying to, to to fit into everything that I thought uh, was cool or I wanted to be a part of. Um, yeah. Sports were on my mind, but man, I had no <laughs> young Jorge had no no skills to, that, to be a part of. <laughs> that's actually surprising because of. I mean, I've played basketball with you. I know you're actually decent at basketball now as an adult. So maybe, you know, that uh, that those playground experiences transformed you into the medium baller that you that you are today. Yeah, I, it's kind of funny. My partner the other day said, I hear you tell people that you play basketball. But I've seen you play basketball. And I was like, what are you trying to say that I don't play basketball? And I think she had this expectation of like, yeah, but in a nice way, tell me that I'm not that good. But I was like, it's still playing basketball. And even though I was that small guy, the the, the the one that was just trying to get some attention or fit in, there was no shortage of opportunity to like play the the game, even though you weren't picked. There was so many of us that you were just burning through games. So even if you waited 10 games to play one, it wasn't going to take long for you to get through that 10 game rotation again. So, uh, so by the time you met me, I had failed so much and tried so much that my game is, is good for about six points. It speaks for itself in many ways. (laughs) I actually wanted to focus on something you said almost immediately when I asked you about young Jorge and not the three X close part. You talked about the joy in your family, I think is maybe a way of, of summarizing it. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. I, I, I when I think, you know, it's kind of a trip as I, as I think about all of the hardship, it's like wild for me to think how happy we were. So yes, it was joyful. I think they put a lot of effort and I say they, I mean, my grandma, my mom, my aunts, my uncles, the elders in our family to like celebrate uh, every opportunity they had. Uh, So growing up in an apartment, small, two bedrooms, six or seven people, it's already tight. But come Friday or Saturday, everyone's kind of busted their ass working. Oh, there's a party in the kitchen going on. And that was like the norm. So when I grew up and realized that not everyone had that, I was like, Oh my, I grew up with a lot of like really, really happy, joyful moments of just like made out of just people spending time together. Um, so when you say that, I agree. I think I'm lucky that everything that I did growing up, it just seemed like we were a large group doing it together. So, so much opportunity for smiles. And uh, I, if I, I guess what it comes out is comfort. What was your, it's interesting to hear that. And especially how you ended up saying the word comfort, because I'm curious, what do you think of the relationship between struggle and the circumstances that you were sort of objectively in six or seven people living in a two bedroom place and then joy, love, celebration, whatever you want to call it, that also seems like it kind of came baked in in how you think about that relationship or if there is one. If there's a relationship between the struggle and the joy. Yeah. 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 I think that they're, they're on both sides and, and you know, it's kind of a trip. 
is that they don't have to be on two sides. This is something where my head is kind of playing around with lately is that it doesn't have to be on two opposite ends. Like joy can still be found in this, like in this struggle it's that really connected. Um, so yes, if things were easier, would we still be as happy? I mean, find these joyful moments. Yes. Um, did it make celebrating a lot more uh, impactful or lasting having like some struggle, like achieving something that, you know, this hardship, man, it, it, I think it more than anything, Josh, it, it, it amplified uh, the celebration or the joy. Um, the sweetness tasted sweeter. Oh, I imagine. And it was kind of a trip when you're that young. I have no idea what the elders are celebrating. I, I have no idea. Even if it was a holiday, I'm still sometimes too young to understand what it is they're so happy about. Um, and sometimes in those celebrations, folks were showing up because there were so many people. Folks are showing up with their individual wins, like their personal wins. So showing up to that Friday because it was so consistent with their like, oh, man, whew. I know we're not celebrating what I just achieved, but I'm showing up today and letting that out. And as a young person, I was on the receiving end with a lot of my cousins, just like, you know, a part of that. Right, right. A part of the the family gallery to make that environment real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how does having been in that environment as someone who understands the release and the joy and the value of, of that celebration and that sweetness. How does that carry over into your adult life today? It's, it's everywhere. It's, I am celebrating uh, the smallest of, of, of wins. Uh, And I think that shows up in uh, acknowledgement of, Let's just pause. Let's think about what we just did. Um, I don't think that I walk away from anything that I get involved with without a celebration of something. Um, and not just to make things up to be like, oh, if I don't walk away with a win, it was a, a, a wasted effort or, or time spent on something. But uh, I think growing up with all of that uh, celebration of, man, it could have been so many things, it's small or big, it's easy for me to find celebrations in, 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 in my life now. And that shows up in the normal day-to-days. Like there's comedians that, that have bits that say, why do you want credit for doing something you're supposed to do? And I think I'm in this mindset of like, yeah, and I'm still acknowledging that you did that. Uh, I'm still acknowledging that uh, we, we achieved this, even though it is a uh, has been done for many years. It's just important. Um, right. Well, I feel like at some point it must have clicked for you that celebrating even small wins feels great. And it, yeah. and it's yeah. worth and it's worth it. And <laughs> and you and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I see you get something out of the celebration 
when you're a part of it or when you're leading it. But maybe can you talk to me just about what the experience is like for you and, and how you look for those moments? Yeah, there's it, this is a big lesson in my in my 30s for me. I'm just writing a little note so I don't forget because it, it's there's some selfishness in there. And I didn't recognize that until later on in my life, like I said, in my, in my 30s. And it came to me in this way that, uh, well, let me start from the beginning. Celebrations like these little acknowledgments started in high school. I mean, it started a, 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 in a few different ways. But for me in high school, my cross-country coach, I was running, doing something that I hated. I never enjoyed running. I didn't enjoy running the mile in elementary school or middle school. Like I thought that was like for kids that played soccer, they were just like super fast. And I was just walking with my crew, getting it done before gym class ended. And then I started running and my guidance counselor was my coach. And when I thought I was tired or couldn't do anymore, it's when I started to hear someone's voice pulling these like, come on, you can do it. Lift your knees up, blah, 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 smile a little more. You got this great job. And you're like tired and you're like beat up. And then at the end, it still comes back to you in this, man, you really put it, put it all out there. So I think about like what that felt like. I never forgot that. I was like blown away by this, uh, by this feeling. Like move ahead maybe... 10 years or 15 working uh, as a manager and working with a team and using this same style to build the team and get buy-in from what we're trying to achieve, right? We, we, we got to get a, a aligned vision, shared values. Well, how do you do this? Well, people have to feel a part of this. Well, how have I ever, when have I felt a part of something and what were the things that were, uh, what was happening in those moments? And I thought back to my coach. So I went back and applied that success, success in building a team. When people feel a part of something through acknowledgements or just not bullshit, like great job, but great job for doing this and this and this. And this is the impact that it had. People feel like super a part of it. Now, I thought it was great. I thought it was a tool. I, I, I thought that, man, everyone's telling me, Jorge, you you get me hyped in the morning. You make me feel like you know. And I'm like going like I, I have figured it out. And then I started spending time backpacking, started taking some some courses or just trying to explore more about group dynamics and leadership. And someone challenged me to not be that loud, cheerful, you got this, we can do it, great job voice, and to allow someone or give someone the space to kind of get there on their own. Um, wait for them to maybe ask for it or take a step back, just acknowledge, but don't jump in as early as you normally do thinking that they will not achieve this without your support. And the hardest thing for me was to be like, oh, my God, like they're struggling. I see it on their face. I'm like, oh, my God, I know what I can do right now. But then I realized how much selfishness was in that because I'm not allowing or believing that someone can get through it 
without my support or 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 celebration. It's not needed for everything. Um, but I share that with you, Josh, because it, it is something another shift big part of my life, then now I'm also seeing, does it need to happen every moment? Does everyone need to celebrate the way that I do? Yeah. Um, or do I, I mean, need to be a part of that? That I feel like that takes a significant amount of self-awareness and self-reflection to recognize that something, a character trait and quality that people have applauded you for in the past, maybe is driven by a personal need it sounds like you're acknowledging absolutely and, and and trying to distill and really identify when are the moments when this benefits me or someone else and just to be clear about that and intentional about that it sounds like is really how you've started to think about it yeah yeah big shift um and i'm not i can't apply this way of thinking of like you know, the way I was raised and my family and the way they were celebrating and if they should have done things differently, um, it had a positive impact on me. Um, but I'm just sharing with you through growth and being in this new space, you started this conversation with where I am I today? Not only am I in a place far away from home. Yeah, you took it also, meta. Yeah, I'm also real, in this real mental meta. space. Yeah, just thinking and applying and, and, and reflecting on... Um, things that I grew up doing and if, you know, how am I doing them now? No, I love that. And I was going to ask about that special ability, I would say you have to bring a vibe and bring an energy to a one-on-one -on -one relationship or a group dynamic, but you've kind of already described it in, in how you engage with people and I'm curious how you identify the moments now where you're really excited to bring that full Jorge on 100 energy and then the moments where you go, you know what, actually, this isn't the time and I need to step back or let this person figure it out on their own. Yeah, I still have this, uh, this, this sense and I think it comes back to me of that young guy not, uh, you know, not feeling a part of things. And, I, and I'm not the only one. I think a lot of young uh, uh, adults go through this. I just, you know, from my perspective, had my own, uh, you know, experience that made me feel um, like it was hard to break through or be a part of a larger thing. I always felt this, this does anyone see me? Am I a part of this? Where can I throw a joke to get this, let people know that I'm here? Or how can I try something even if I fail, just so folks know that I'm that I'm here. Um, and I think that experience allows me to kind of flag situations or people where I'm, you know, we could be in a room, it could be a, a work thing, it could be a personal thing. And you can see groups of people together and then there's a handful of people that you can see just not communicating or just not talking, either just sitting alone or just kind of standing alone, but just kind of just different than what's, what the event or spaces was built or created for. And 
I never forget that. And I'm not saying that folks aren't comfortable there. This is where that part goes. They don't need my help. They don't need my help. But it doesn't mean that I can't just start a conversation. And through right. there, but you can't see them. Absolutely. And I and I still don't make the decision to go, maybe this person or these folks don't want my, or sometimes I need it. Sometimes I'm that only person and I'm looking for like a, a group to get comfortable around. It's not just me looking for folks. It's, it's this, this give and take kind of thing that I'm going through. But I, I tend to find the, the the quieter group, the the group that doesn't seem to be the biggest, and I think I just pay attention now, I'm a little bit more in tune to like, does this person want my help? Do they want to talk? Is this where they're most comfortable? Um, do I just kind of step away? Uh, so I have these little things in my head that I re- that I'm thinking about that I wasn't before before I just jumped in. Hey, what's yeah. up? Blah blah blah. Come over here. You like me and my, you know, me and these people over here if you want to come through and that person would say, "No, nah, I'm good." And then I'd go, "No, no, 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 no. You can't be out here alone. Like, come on, let's go over here." Where now I have this thing of like, "Oh, this is available." And they're like, "No, nah, I'm good." I'm like, "Okay, cool, but like just so you know, like this is available." Like I've right. taken this step back just to make sure that they know that there's an invitation. I say they, but like that folks or groups or even myself, that there is an invitation uh, to something, not necessarily a, you need to take this or if you don't, then I'm concerned or. Well, it seems like, it seems like, and I think this actually works really well with some of what you were talking about, about getting out outdoors and identifying groups that Mm. kind of can use your, personality and I would call sort of a superpower of bringing this energy and connecting with people in this way. And you've built a recognition and filter for yourself to understand and at least identify when there's an opportunity for it. And it sounds like the growth has been determining not just the identification, but when 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 to lean lean in with that and i was hoping you could share a bit more about how you think about joy and your kind of ability that we're sort of circling around here in relationships and making people feel a part of things and how that's shown up for you in your work and i would i don't want to characterize it for you but from the outside it seems like purpose mm-hmm. uh isn't too strong a word as it relates to getting people outside and experiencing the outdoors. Yeah, I agree. I think you're spot on with purpose. Like it's a, it's a service. What you know, it's a purpose. I'm here to to help you do something, right? I'm here in service to you. You know, so so you're you're spot on with how I think me and and I think a lot of people in my life move forward is with this. We're in service of people, and it's not. It's just how can we help? We know that we can in a variety of ways. How how can we do this? Um, and I'm sorry because I got caught on that last part, but can you repeat the first part of that question? I think mostly what I am interested in is how does your approach to wielding your large personality and your awareness mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. individuals and or groups who 
should be aware of the invitation that you're describing. How does that manifest in working in the outdoors and leading people in the outdoors? And maybe describe a little bit just for background, kind of what you do in the outdoors as a part of it. I think, Josh, I think it's, I have so much curiosity because I, if I'm going to collaborate with with anyone and collaborate what i mean by that is build a relationship anything that we do if we decide to do something together I, we are collaborating on something so when that happens it, it is it is driven by my curiosity it is driven by this not only what do we have like what similarities but what differences do we have and how do we whatever direction we go from here, how do we leave this with something we can build off of, right? And I and I show up to that uh, in my job, in my personal life now, and, 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 and I take advantage, and I could say that now because I didn't know that in the beginning. I take advantage of that when I spend time in the outdoors with people. We get to that point of under, like, communicating with the, with one another so quickly. And I am someone that tries to, in my, as I got older, communicate with so many folks, just engage. Good morning. Yeah. Why, why do you think that is? Why does it happen so much faster in the outdoors? Yeah. I think we're, you know, all the things that we normally get distracted by, uh, me personally, what I get distracted by when uh, I am not in the outdoors takes me away from paying attention uh, or, or, or building a strong uh, connection with an individual. My mind is in a hundred other places for a hundred other reasons when I am not in the outdoors. I, I could be reminded by, by a smell, uh, seeing something drive by, what you're wearing. Uh, what is it that I do after our conversation? We could have had a powerful conversation outside in a park. And then after our conversation, I come back home and I go back to my, I'm using devices just to kind of make it this, this broad thing. But to things that distracted me from actually thinking through what we just talked about or letting my body go through the cycles that it needs to go through so that I can the next day fully understand what we just talked about. Like apply the things, change things or continue to do things. And when we're outside, it is the most beautiful thing, I think. And this is what I didn't know, but now I know. So I... I if I could have every constructive feedback that anyone has ever wanted to give me, like have it happen in the outdoors and the trails, I would, I would choose to do that. Well, that's because to, to, to give some background on our friendship. That's how we got a lot closer, right? Yes. And, 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 and a lot of us, and that's another example. I didn't notice it at the time, but when I look back and I was introduced to backpacking, just, just, and I say backpacking, but just like walking in open spaces with people, I met so many folks like very quickly. And that is not the norm for my life. You know, we started this conversation, young Jorge trying to fit in 
fast forward to moving to a new place with no like no one familiar around me but meeting the most people in the, in the most short amount of time and it's because of the amount of time that we spent together in the outdoors we didn't even work together but we just found this joy in spending time outside and that is why Josh like I decided how do I spend more time outside how do I get more people outside how do I uh find a job that is focused on doing like how do I get everything that I do in my life to get myself and people that I love and don't even know yet in the outside like in the outdoors if that's a local park if that's the mountains if that's just in your stoop if that's in your backyard um, how do I make this a part of my day today? It was that like that powerful. And can uh, you can you just tell the the story of arriving in San Francisco, what you were doing then, and then draw the line to that realization and and, and where you are now? Because yeah. I think it's an, imp- an impressive path to have charted for yourself. Yeah, I think uh, just to start real quick, East Coast, I stayed there until I was 32 years old, uh, all in Westchester, Fairfield County, born in the Bronx, but left the age of like six to Danbury, Connecticut. So stayed there my whole life, even though I moved from home, everything was there, uh, even my job. Uh, It was an opportunity that I had to move to San Francisco uh, to help, you know, just growing, booming place. A lot of construction was going on. There was a need uh, for some operations and logistics, uh, a lens on this operation. So they, they moved me out there. And this is my first time leaving my family, leaving everything that I grew up with and moving somewhere by myself. Some would say late in my life for me, it just seemed like the right thing to do. Um, late, maybe, maybe late in... in- your life for some folks, but early in your development for others. Oh my God. It was like the thing that changed everything. It, it, it was, it was something that my employer that I was with for at the time, 12 years had no idea that by moving me up and moving me away would take me away from, you know, the job. Uh, and I'm, and I'm thankful for it, but it was rocky in the beginning. I was excited, moved to a big city, knew no one, uh, was trying to find apartments like everyone else that moves into San Francisco. Just a struggle was real. I think a lot of people thought that, including my employer, right, that uh, you're from Connecticut, you'll be fine. And that's when I realized that like folks don't know all the different parts of Connecticut and how different we are. Because uh, when I got there, I rented a room and stopped renting the room after a few months and lived in my office for about three months, uh, just sleeping on my desk. And I, I did splurge on a gym membership because they had a nice shower and they had all the toiletries that I needed. So I would like, my employer didn't know I was sleeping in my office. So I would leave super early at like four in the morning, take the bus to downtown, go to the gym, work out, take a shower, shave, go back to the office, be the first one there last one to leave and then i would go back i was like super buff during that time but i was not i was like homeless but i must like, have, i must i must have not known i must have not known you then i'll send you a picture by the time i met you i was living in an apartment so fast forward i started 
meet folks. I started to build some community. I was able to find an apartment and continued on with my work normal day to day and meeting folks. Um, but then like, like I said, uh, I met so many folks in a short amount of time that opportunities to try new things happened very quickly. Everyone that I met seemed to do something different, but it was something happening outside. It could be us kayaking, it could be us running, it could be walking, biking, could be climbing, could be camping, uh, could be just getting on a boat. Um, and I'm just like, what is these things? Like, okay, cool. So I just started to like wrap up my time with like weekends doing things that I've never done. Uh, late night going to the beach for a fire. And I'm like, what is this? Uh, what is this? I don't know what, you know, this world, I've just left work. I'm normally going home to eat dinner, but we're going to the beach and I feel so energized. Um, so what I'm trying to lead up to is that a lot of things happened where I started to spend more and more time with new people, with a lot of people outside. Um, and I also started to realize that folks had more time than I did. Like I was busting ass at work. There were mornings where we'd go running and people are like, I'm going to go get breakfast. And I'm like, shit, I got to go to work. It's like six, six 30. I got to go to work. It's when my mind started to go like, what choices have I made that are different? And why are schedules so different? It started to just look at like my personal life a little bit and my work life, and how is it allowing me or preventing me from doing these new things that I seem to be like really getting a lot out of. Um, so I lasted three years, lasted three years before it was a wrap, and took on this journey of like, what's next. And a lot of folks put a lot of job opportunities in my way. And I had no idea how my 15 years in construction sales operations uh, would apply to any of these new things that I was looking at. I just couldn't make the connection. Um, found a part-time job uh, working for a clothing uh, store that allowed me to make some income, but also gave me the flexibility to still figure things out. Um, and through that, thankfully, was introduced to an organization called Latino Outdoors that was uh, doing uh, what I had just uh, started doing, which was like exploring uh, these outdoor spaces, parks, beaches, trails, getting people outside. Um, that was a lot, but all that to tell you, Josh, that that's how all these things came together. This is how it started, was my move to SF. Uh, then a combination of organizations that were already growing um, and partnerships that they had, I was on the receiving end of. So I was able to get like a certification uh, to get wilderness first aid. And then I was got a certification to be a wilderness first responder. And then I started to take classes to be a naturalist. And then I started leading little one day hikes. And when I say leading, I wasn't leading like the whole trip was with me. I was a part of a team of six people. But given the opportunity to not teach people by what I learned in my past, but teach people things that I was learning at the same time that we were doing this. It was right. like you were you were doing it. And then someone would say, here's what you just did. So here's what you should know about it. 
Yes, yes. So like the week before I learned this and then I had the amazing opportunity the following week to be able to apply that. Um, so I had this this motion in this network of support that was telling me in some roundabout way that I have found the thing that I am going to continue to do for, for a while. I didn't know it at the time. Um, and then I just started looking what this full-time work looked like. Um, then I started to think about, oh man, I didn't really think about this. I thought it'd be easy, but I should have made this decision years ago. I started to meet folks that uh, have been thinking about this in their early 20s, high school, or even middle school, um, and started to take steps to get to where I, in the direction that I wanted to start to go into. But what, um, but what was different? I, I don't want to interrupt the story because I, I want to hear it all the way through, but what, what was different about those people that you were meeting that they made this decision so much earlier than, than you I, had? You know, Josh, I, it, I could only compare, when I say different, I could only compare them to folks that I grew up with, right? That would be, to me, be the fair kind of folks that I met, but folks that I grew up with maybe at the same age just years ago. Because again, I'm, I, I moved to SF when I said late in my life. I only say that because everyone that I met seemed to be like six to eight years younger than me um, moving there at the same time, um, going through some of the things that I was going through. So when I say, uh, when I say, Man, I'm forgetting your, your question. I'm sorry. You don't have to put that, that age difference between us like that, Jorge. I know, not, but but it's important. Good. It's important because I want I'm giving you a goal, a benchmark for where you need to be. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um man, I lost my train of thought. Um you were, was, you, were, you, were, you were talking about just the, the difference between those folks who sort of made that decision or had gotcha. that yes. So I th- so I think it's just I think where I grew up, it was, and I'm not saying it's blue collar versus something else, but I grew up and everyone seemed to have a, uh, something planned for them already. I, I went to a vocational school. So we were going there to learn a trade, not to learn the trade, to get money, to get us money for college, to then go into the, it was so that when we left school, we went into a trade, we had a job. So that was what I grew up with. There wasn't this area for, well, let's try this. I want to do some, there were some people that did some different things, but they were outliers. There was like one person in your class that you're like, oh, they're going to be different because they were so different than the, than the norm. So that to me is what was different. When I moved to SF, I, I met so many people and I met people later on in my life in New York. That's what made my move to SF so easy. I met people that had moved from Kansas, from California, from Texas and moved to New York City, not knowing anyone. So when I moved to SF, it was because I had just begun to meet folks that were kind of giving me permission or giving me like, it's okay to do this. You're meeting us and we did it with no plan. So so when I moved to SF, I met more people. Like, Like it seemed like everyone had moved there with this big aha moment of I'm moving to SF because I wanna try shit. I'm here because I learned that this is where I need to be to do this, this, and this. And it wasn't just folks that were, you know, you think of SF as like a a tech place, but it is. And people move there to do that or that whole area. I shouldn't just put SF bubble, but that whole area. But there are people that move out there for a lot of conservation work, a lot of environmental work, a lot of nonprofit work, a lot of science 
you know, they moved there for that purpose. So when I got there, I was in this melting pot of folks that were eager to learn, share, collaborate. They're willing to fail. And it would just like engulfed me. Like it just kind of wrapped me up and it made me feel like I can try anything. This permission, Josh, that I needed that I didn't think I needed, but to step away from a role that I was so comfortable in with an employer that to date was taking care of me and giving me the things that, you know, I needed or I thought I needed. Right. Well, it was almost like being in that environment gave you permission to step outside of a survival mindset of have I checked the boxes to be okay and step into an environment that encouraged a dreamer mindset, if you will, Mm -hmm. of questioning, am I doing things that I want to do? Am I doing things that make me happy? And that clearly led you down a, a different path. Oh, yeah. As soon as, you know, to me, moving out to SF was a dollars thing, right? Oh, my gosh. Like, not only does it cost a lot to live there, but, man, they pay us a lot. There's opportunity. Like, I need to go out there. Um, and then making this shift. And this is the beauty of the struggle. Holy shit. This is the beauty of the struggle is that I met more people when I moved out west that were afraid of losing what they had gained over time. And when I started to think about that, I started to think, well, shit, I didn't have anything. And we were happy and joyful. So if this fails, I always, I know that I'll be okay. If it fails, I'm still going back to joy. (laughs) It's kind of a trip, right? It's kind of this thing, like the smaller things that always made us happy. That could have been like food coloring, purple cream of wheat because of food coloring, like these little things that were just like, wow, this is amazing. Well, it's, um, it's, it's interesting <laughs> to hear you kind of describe that though, because as you describe the difference between where you came from and maybe the backgrounds of some of the people you were meeting in San Francisco, the the worst case scenario for you was falling back to to joy. And the combination of that being the worst case scenario and then getting permission to lean into dreaming for your future kind of set you in this place where you had freedom that you probably had never experienced before. Yes. And that, that, this idea, and this freedom to, to make decisions that I feel that I never knew were mine to make. Like they were already made for me. They were already, uh, it's just the way it is. And as soon as I started to try it, right? As soon as I started to try it and I started to see the changes and benefits, because I just didn't go all in. Yeah, how did you try it? I, I just like, I think I started it at my job when I started to, Instead of asking for a day off, a sick day, I started to change my language to I am taking a sick day. Perfect example of 
growing up and like not feeling well and actually not wanting to go to work because I'm sick and I got, but actually calling and asking if it's okay versus like, I have a temperature of this. I'm not coming in today. Right. And it sounds so simple. And I know to some people it's like, really, that's your, your moment. But I share that example of how, how simple, how small it needs. It started for me when I started to just question things like the the why nots and it just grew from there and sure it wasn't always successful and depending on the situation changes relationships but I would not go backwards I think right now it's a part of me it's always been a uh Again, that curiosity, it's always at the foundation of everything I do. Um, and SF, for me, was where all that intersected, where I started making decisions to try things. And it was a safe place for me to fail. And I was also surrounded by people that were like, yes, Jorge, you should ask for that. Enablers. <laughs> we'll call them enablers. Well, the thing is, you, you can't find that. It. it, it Josh, when I went back home after a, a couple of years in SF and I got this new, this new Jorge, as my family would say, you've changed, you've changed. I came back without even knowing it, with thinking that I had all the answers to all the problems that we grew up with, with, oh, you just have to try this. Oh, you just have to do this. Oh, there's this thing. And being met with this folks in these eyes and familiar people that are just like, what are you talking about? You sound like you're in a different world. It was kind of wild. It was like this thing, like you're no longer here. You don't know what we're going through. How can you possibly have learned something all the way out in SF and think that coming back, it's going to fix the things that we're going through here. Um, and it was at that another moment in my life where I realized that, uh, and just like my work, it's not something that you can just like touch in. As soon as I learn these things, I have to share them immediately. The longer I hold on to them, the more I believe in them, the more I think that as soon as someone hears it from me, and since I've put so much thought into it, that they should meet me where I'm at with like this buy-in. Um, and that was a lesson I learned. It was a big one for me. Uh, and SF is something that kind of um, something I learned out there. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And I mean, I've obviously seen you grow over many years. So much of this change that you're describing, I've been privy to and just witnessing. How do you how do you think about the your purpose? as it relates to the combination of actually just how do you think about your purpose now? Because I feel like you've had <laughs> such, such a journey. Like, I don't, I don't want to make it up for you. Like I want to hear it from, from you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think that I've committed myself to just one thing yet. And it's kind of a trip because in a few days I, I hit the age of, of, of 42 and I think about like, what am I uh, focused on? And I always force myself to like, I, I should have one thing or one area. And it's just such bullshit for me to get there 
because my purpose, uh, because I open myself up or make myself available or communicate with so many different people, it changes day to day. Um, and it also changes with like where I'm at in my capacity. Uh, cause sometimes the purpose that I said is my purpose. I can't deliver on, uh, you know, the following week because it's just a lot of energy mentally, physically to do some of these things is just taken from me. So I have to make a decision. Uh, is that still my only purpose? And because I can't do that, I can't do any work or today do I shift and say, what can I do to still kind of add some value uh, or, or add something or make some change. Um, so in all that I'm saying, that I think my purpose is like this. Um, it's like giving folks context, if that makes sense. I feel like there's so many gaps in communication that what I find that I do is I say the same shit that someone said before. I give different examples. I get to know the people that I'm talking to. So I adapt and change and customize the language to make sure that the people I'm engaging with, like, get it. Not agree, but just understand. Well, and I, I think that, I, brother, yeah, and I think that's... I think you do an amazing job of of recognizing the circumstances that someone else is coming from. Mm. So mm-hmm. when you bring this perspective that you now have, in contrast to how you described maybe that first visit back to Danbury, for example, mm-hmm. while you still maybe value those family members and friends the same way that you'd always valued them. You did, you hadn't, it seems like gotten to the point that you are at now where you hold on to that value, hold on to that love you have for those people, even if they're not family, even if they're Mm -hmm. friends or strangers or acquaintances. But if I'm hearing you right, it sounds like you do a lot of work on your own to put yourself in their position to understand how can this person receive a message from me and actually receive it where we can make a, a connection. Because to me, that's how I see you in, in the world and how I see your relationships develop. But I wonder if that characterization feels accurate to you. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're, you're, you're spot on. And, and, and over time, my rush to build relationships have changed. You know, I used to be so eager to, oh my God, who are you? Let's build this relationship and making this change to build this up slowly over time. Um, especially if we don't get to hang out as much, just so. Um, and it kind of, as I'm talking, I, I do want to call this out. It kind of sounds like I am this person coming into groups and peoples and making things better right? Like I am making this change happen. And that's not the case. The case is that I'm showing up to these places and these people because they have already made me feel welcome. Right? Right. I'm not showing up to situations 
where I'm like, whoa, I don't know the vibe. I feel unsafe, but I'm you're still going to try to build. You're not uninvited. You're, 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 someone's extending a, a hand to you to say, hey, Jorge, come be a part of this. Correct. Correct. In a variety of ways. It could be, you know, verbal, nonverbal, but I feel safe in these in these spaces. So I, I want to call that because as I keep talking, I keep hearing like me and what I'm doing and I and I and it only starts, it only can happen. I'm like a mirror of the situation. I just amplify it. If well, I feel comfortable in this space, then I'm gonna make sure that everybody <laughs> knows that I feel comfortable and that it is this space I, I, again not that everyone needs that but it is something that i want to make sure folks know that i feel and that comes off in this way of like let's talk let's communicate let's build and it is because of the who's on the other side of this well i i do regret to inform you that this podcast is actually about you jorge so it is okay to I, no, I, I I hear you, and I and, and maybe that's maybe that's the per, maybe that's another one of my purposes is to, to to make sure that folks see themselves uh, in our conversations and not just oh Jorge, you know sometimes some people say but because I said it that it's something I said and they don't really no this is something you said you're just hearing it back and you don't even realize that you're the one that told me this right. Right. And if you're not and if, you know, some people take advantage of that and if and go like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm that person. But it, most of the stuff that I do isn't something that I sat down and woke up in the middle of the night and said, aha, I got it. It is happening real time. And it only happens because the back and forth, uh, the engagement. I, I think that's I think that's part I think that's part of why it works for you so well, Jorge, because. It's it, it's in you. It's natural. It's not yeah. it's not forced. If someone, I mean, there there are people who are professionally trained, essentially, to <laughs> you, to do what you do in these groups in the outdoors for individuals who need it. People who are trained to bring people in and extend that invitation, and that you don't need to be trained for that. That's just who you who you've always who you've always been. And so I think it's interesting to just hear you kind of talk about that and, and want to, you know, act as a reflection. Yeah. For folks. Yeah. I think, it, and, 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 I, and I'm looking at the time and there's one thing that I want to make sure that I uh, get across. And when we think about, you know, the, the work that I'm doing or why it is that I'm focused on getting people outside. And, and that's, when I say getting people outside, Josh, I want to be clear that it isn't just get a heavy pack on your back and go outside. It can be looking out your window and looking at your, your, the, the little bit of land, if you got it a little differently, like, what can I grow here? What can I build here? This is mine. How do I take care of it? Like this ownership over our, our earth and the landscape. And the one thing that SF taught me is how beautiful these spaces are and can be. Um, but it also taught me that if not taken care of, and I don't mean just protected by laws, but you know, when there's a lot of people in the same area over time, it's just like the garbage, the footsteps, the invasive species, like all these things that destruct this, right? Because there's no education available, people just don't know. 
like I realized that we don't have enough people working towards like protecting this or understanding why it's important to do that. Um, and my job now is not just to get people to sleep outside or go camping or climb the biggest thing or, you know, eat the least amount of food over this amount of time. It's not to physically change you, but it's to uh, connect, reconnect people with these spaces. Um, I think a lot will come from that. I think that we have these generations or our history or our family always used this land in a certain way. We've spent more time away from it. We started, let me, let me just take a pause. We started this conversation where you said, why do I think that spending time in the outdoors, getting to know people is so impactful. And I said the distractions, right. That are not around. And I think that that is part of my work. I think that there's a lot of systems that rely on us to stay home or at work or in a building and are designed to keep a lot of people like just stuck in place. And I want folks to get a little sneak peek of what I uh, was a part of in my thirties when I experienced this sleeping under the stars or just walking underneath trees and not seeing anyone for an hour even though I was surrounded by buildings, there's this little park where I can go to. Um, that little time shifted my whole world, Josh. And that happened in my 30s. So I'm who, knows, committed, who knows what the 40s are going to be about for right? And, I, and that's the thing. So I'm committed to making sure that folks get these opportunities or know that there's this, uh, you know, this, this, this gain from getting outside and protecting these spaces at any point in your life. Right. right. Does it mean that if you didn't do it at 12, that you're not going to get the benefit. If you're doing it at 50 or 60, that you're not going to bet at any point in your life. Right. Just because you weren't an Eagle scout, like Stanley, it doesn't mean you can't, (laughs) you can't get some of this. It's a trip. It's a trip. And I, and I do know that there as, as, as much of that invitation seems so clean and so like, Yes, I'm going to go do this today. I am aware that there are there are, there are people, things, systems in place um, that are preventing folks from getting this opportunity. So, with my work and the folks that I surround myself with, we're just trying to flag those, take those down, um, and make sure that everyone gets back to uh, just disconnection, disconnection with with, yeah. with our earth. It's, it's, it's valuable stuff. So, I I mean, I applaud you for it. And it's, it's been amazing to see your transformation from Jorge construction man sleeping in his office, apparently buff guy who clearly (laughs) I never met into, into the world, worldly outdoorsman that, that you are today. Uh, But it's, it's amazing to see the the impact that you've had also on on so many people as, as, as a part of that journey. So thanks for letting me letting me watch and including me in, in little bits of it. I appreciate it, y'all. I really do. And I encourage folks to, and I say to do what I did, and it sounds so silly to say that, but, it, and I think it's more of my personality, which was just, uh, I went in on meeting folks. I went in on introducing myself or just getting to know people as, as different as they can be. But the result of that was uh, a lot of amazing conversations and self-reflection. Um, For sure. 
and here we are today having this conversation with with a group of people that were a part of my journey. So it, it is, yeah, it's and full, not to full say circle. That, yeah, not to say that it can't happen, um, but for me, it worked, and uh, I, I really do appreciate this invitation. Yeah. And, well, I, I want to ask you one final question before we get to our sort of quick hitting, <laughs> overrated, underrated, uh, and and Stan, Stanley, uh, what did I miss? Portion, because I'm sure Stanley's got something juicy that I missed. Um, but the the question that we're asking everyone this season that I'm really interested in your perspective, and you don't have to go on and on about it because I feel like you've already given us a lot, uh, but feel free <laughs> if you'd like. Um, but can you define what a, a life well lived looks like to you? Oh, no. I, <laughs> no, I can't do that. Uh, no, no, I, no, I can't. I could tell you the last thing I did that made me feel like, man, if I can do this every day, it would feel good. But, uh, I didn't leave there feeling like, oh, everything that I do from now on is so that I can get here just to kind of, but, uh, we were in Puerto Rico and we were in a local part of the island that was close to the beach and uh, every day was a party at the beach and it was all locals just kind of uh, with their kids digging holes, burying themselves, eating food, uh, all shapes and sizes. Everyone is just beautiful. Um, and uh, you could show up there with a little Bluetooth speaker that is kind of cute that we think is loud. And then you realize that everyone there has like three foot by two foot also Bluetooth speakers that you just have no chance hearing whatever it is you brought. Um, but the beauty in it and why I thought it was a, a life well, well lived or spent during that time was that every morning we woke up uh, before sunset or sunrise and took a walk along the beach. And it was only five minutes away from where we were. Um, had our coffee, sat down, watched the blue hour watch the sun come up. As soon as it came up over the water, we'd jump in the water. And it was just us because it was a quiet local spot. Go back home, get some work done, middle of the day. Let's go back and jump in the water, play some taps, get back out, go home, have some dinner, head back out, see the sunset. And we did that for two weeks. And every morning we saw the same six to seven people that were walking in the dark along the beach. And we built this, you know, Buenos Dia relationship with them. We never stopped and talked more, but every morning we gave each other this smile. And I remember telling Gretchen, because there's a group of, of, of fellas walking up and they were older, busting each other's chops. And I was like, I, I want that when I'm older. Like, I want to be able to get up early meet my friends, go for a walk. Don't worry. I'll be busting your chops when you're, when we're elderly or <laughs> you can count on that. That's, that's fine. That'll be there. That, that to me sounds like a good, a good way to, 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 to wake up. And, and I like it. Everybody. I like it. That's, that's a great answer. Um, well, Stanley, what, what did I, what did I leave out? Well, you know, normally I have a long list of things to correct you on, but given Jorge did all of the talking, I actually don't think there's anything. <laughs> So we can just jump straight into overrated, underrated. Let's do it. Love it. All right. So this section, Jorge, 
Uh, I'm going to throw something out and you can say overrated, underrated, or appropriately rated. Um, and if you feel like it, you can tell us why. All right. So we're, we're going to start off with something that you already talked about. Uh, the name unzipped for our podcast. Over Overrated. <laughs> The New York guy, Knicks. Guy gets, guy gets invited on a podcast and just starts starts shitting on us. You know what Sound, is, what is for for such thoughtful and amazing. Fo- it, it sounds so immature. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> the New York Knicks underrated. Underrated. Why? They won last night, and no one's talking about it. Preseason basketball. Moving on. My point. My point. <laughs> Your jump shot. Oh, underrated. I put a lot of time into this. All those times that I wasn't picked to play, I was in the corner jumping, trying to get my release right. There were times when it was snowing or the day after that we would shovel the three-point line on our basketball court and work on this shot. So when people tell me today that they're not passing me the ball because they don't know if I'm going to make it, my shot is underrated. Who is telling you that? Who is telling you that today? No one is saying that to you. <laughs> You're right. Cause Get I surround here. myself by that. people that play in the paint. <laughs> Talking shit to your friends. Oh, underrated. Underrated. I don't hear it enough. Sometimes I feel like I'm the only one doing it. All right. Well, then, <laughs> then I will say this. I, I do want to con- not correct you, but confirm something that you said earlier, which is that when I met you, I did indeed think, who is this old man? Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Stanley Stanley was like measuring everybody up when he first came. <laughs> like, who is this? What do I do with this? Okay. Okay. All right. Who is this old guy? You know <laughs> You don't fit. <laughs> uh, waking up early. Oh, underrated. Why? Um, a lot of shit happens throughout the day. I don't care who who you are, right? It, it is especially if you're, you're you're going to work or you're. It's a lot of external factors, a lot of shit that we have to deal with, and I feel like in the morning. Uh, same, same approach to, you know, camping and backpacking. It's the best time to get up and start moving. Um, I take walks every day from four 30 to five, three and a half mile walk, three mile walk, two and a half mile walk. But most of that is giving myself a check-in, uh, just kind of like my body, these little things, no heavy heart rate, get my thoughts together, listen to some things, but I feel like I am using the first that was a long answer, but I really, I really love my my early mornings. Uh, like I'm doing what I can control the first couple hours, and then I'm prepared for all the shit that comes my way the rest of the day. Patagonia clothing, overrated. <laughs> we'll just leave and it right there's there. a, and and there's a thing, right? There's two things: the quality, and then like the hype. So the quality. No doubt. I work there. So I when I started to learn and understand of the level of detail and technology put into making their products, 
and not all of them, but even some that are more like lifestyle stuff, but like casual, but man, I'm really in awe of what they're able to achieve compared to other folks doing what they do. But the hype is overrated when I realized that, uh, yes, um, materials are, you know, can be used, different things can be used to achieve the same thing over time. Um, yeah, I'll leave it there. <laughs> I, I, I had this dream that Patagonia came out with a clothing line, but didn't put their label on it. And that's, I was like, I so they excited. They were going to Or maybe that. I did see that. Somewhere. And I was like, so excited. Cause like, that's the ultimate, that's the ultimate Patagonia move, but it's right? also awesome because like you can wear this quality clothing without it being, what is it? Patagucci. Yeah. And there's also this other part of it, which is like, uh, yeah, yes, I think they did think they did say they were going to do that and try to calm down the hype. Um, and I just for transparency, like I, that's all the shit that I have. It's just like stuff when I work there um, that folks. Yeah. Uh, returned or did, you know, didn't like it for a certain reason. But that's why I think hype, oh, overhyped because some people use it as a fashion line more than a technical uh line which is which is cool the bike gang reports underrated but i am happy that it's underrated because uh i don't know if we were ready for the backlash we would have received if it was hyped up we were inappropriate I'm gonna say All right, I'm gonna pushing your limits. Cosign everything everything you said there and, and leave it there. Pushing your limits. I'm torn. I don't know what that other option was, but I'm torn. Appropriately related. I go, I go up and down with pushing your limits. Like for you know, last year physically pushing your limits, right? Like we trained for a marathon just because we wanted to do something right. Pushing our limits over the winter break and doing something that we didn't pay for. And it was cold and it was hard. Um, I was all for it. I needed it. Right. I needed it. It was like in this selfish thing. I needed this distraction. I needed to test myself. And it was appropriate at that time. Um, I'm thankful that I have this balance of like, oh, I don't need to push it today attitude. Uh, and that's come over time. Um, and I think my walks allow me to do that. But uh, that's why I think it's overrated. Meaning like folks aren't professional athletes, but don't want to uh, take the time to heal over an injury because of this fear of lost something. And that's where I start to feel like, man, that's it's overrated. Relax. San Francisco. Shit, same thing. It taught me so much. Like I, it, I am so thankful for the history of that place that allowed me to show up there and meet all these amazing people that essentially like changed the way I changed my life. Right, like my decision making. What's important. And then this shitty part that I'm like, how much does that place represent of what's going on in the world as far as like a lot of money and pushing things out, like erasing this history that was there, problematic for me, 
not while I was there, but now that I'm looking at it backwards or looking back at it, I'm like looking at the place a little differently. Um, And then this bubble that I was in that when I lived in the East Coast, I was more prepared for, you know, presidential elections when there was all these different voices or ideas or politics around me. There's a diverse pool of people in the East where I grew up in the East Coast. And then when I moved to the West Coast, uh, surrounded by a lot of like minded people, thankfully, like it's in, in line with what I believed in as well. So that when things didn't go my way or what I thought or everyone around me thought was supposed to happen, that shit fucked me up. And I blame that on San Francisco or any place like that. But it was a bubble that really uh, didn't prepare me to take uh, losses like that so well. I just felt like, yeah. So what are we saying? Appropriately rated? I feel like I've been on a journey here. (laughs) Uh, over. I'm gonna go overrated because I believe everything that happened in SF can happen somewhere else. Being concise. <laughs> this place changed my life. Totally altered who I am. But it could have happened anywhere. It could have. It just had San Francisco. I could have moved to. I don't know some other place nashville shout out shout out to nashville apparently shout out to nashville. <laughs> all right overrated underrated being concise overrated wyoming overrated. wyoming underrated underrated uh in its like um ability to change things like our 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 nation our politics or 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 even change itself i think it's underrated i think people look at the state and go like it's stuck it's just the way it's been uh they've relied on uh coal and oil and resources for so long that like let's just leave them here um, and I don't think folks realize like how much, uh, is here, uh, for, for many others. And I, I think that's, yeah, it's, it's underrated. Um, okay. Yes. Finally, pizza Mondays. Underrated. Because I don't think folks realize how important it is to leave your door open uh, for folks to always feel like just to know that they can consistently show up for a meal. Uh, I think that's underrated um, because more people should be doing it. Um, And it doesn't have to be pizza, but just like a thing that just lets folks know that this is here and available to y'all. I love it. I feel like Pizza Mondays encapsulates you in, in, in many ways, which is which yeah. is great. And overrated? No, it's not overrated. It's it's of course, of course not. We would have been shocked. We would have been shocked with that. It was a hit in Wyoming. It was a hit. <laughs> well, to to close it out, where I, typically we have a few would you rather's. I actually really only have one for you that I think is <laughs> uh, is is pretty good. And would you rather discover the outdoors for the first time yourself 
or lead others through their first time discovering the outdoors? Oh, lead, lead. Shit. There goes another one of those silly questions. Like how can I get ex- lead others? Nice. Yeah. 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 Cause I think my experience was, was amazing. But man, when I had that experience with others, uh, it, it just kind of like, I think that was it. That was the, the, the tipping point for me. Nice. All right. This has been awesome. Thanks so much for coming on, even though clearly uh, you don't approve of, of the title of the show. Um, it, we're, it doesn't matter to us. We're, we're going to edit. We're going to edit that part out anyways. So <laughs> I think the challenge here is that we could maybe come up with another name with the same letters. Uh, and not we'll, have to really we'll, leave, we'll leave that to you. We'll leave, we'll okay. leave that to you. Yeah.